Hello there, you're listening to the Act 29 Europe podcast, conversations on church planting in Europe. My name's Dan Steele, I'm pastor of a church in Oxford, and along with my co-host Steve Robinson from Liverpool, we want to hear from different guests about what God is doing in different contexts in the vast expanse of Europe. To be better informed and encouraged, to know how to be praying, and to, under God, plant more and healthier churches that thrive and flourish as they take the message of Jesus into a world that needs to hear of him. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to the Acts 29 Europe podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Dan Steele. Dan, how things been going, bro? Yeah, all right, all right. We're doing okay. We're still locked down, but hey, you know, aren't we all? Aren't we all? We're still going. So one of the questions I've got for you, Dan, before we interview our guest today is, what are you what are you reading at the moment in the Bible in terms of sermon prep or your own devotions? What's what's How's God steering you through his word? Yeah, great question. Great question. Um, I am, uh, I'm currently for church-wise anyway. At least I'm preparing for uh, a four-week series in Psalm 42 and 43, kicking off in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and I have to say, I have been hugely mm. helped by digging into those psalms. I know a number of people are um, wrestling with psalms of lament through this season, which is a good thing. It's probably something that we need to get better at. Um, in the Western Church, but those two psalms particularly, which kind of sit together as a whole, I think, um, a couple of things really have helped me. One is just seeing some of the parallels with our situation and context as to why he's yeah. struggling, um, feeling a distance from God, distance from others, um, feeling almost forgotten by God at times. And I know that can resonate with how some people are feeling, maybe how I've even felt this this last year or so at times. It's been hard, hasn't mm. it? Um, yeah. And then more than that, actually, he's just really practical and, and some stuff to do, but never promises it's going to be easy. So it's still messy. You get to the end of Psalm 43 and there's a bit of a hopeful uplift, I think, but it's still not finished. And that's just, again, the reality of, um, I guess, highs and lows, ups and downs. Um, so, I mean, the reason people know those Psalms well is particularly because he he kind of takes himself in hand and talks to himself. I'm mm. saying, come on, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? And that's one of the really helpful things. But more than that, he remembers the big story. He remembers the hope that we have because um, we follow a God of hope. He, um, he he cries out to God as well. Just so much for me to learn, um, so much for me to be wrestling with. Um, and yeah. I pray as well, so much for, for my church. Um, I'll preach that in a couple of weeks' time. That's been, it's been really helpful. Yeah, I love it. And that's, that, that is, it is so encouraging that when you read the Psalms, that actually in, in in those beautiful songs, God gives us language to actually even comprehend what we're experiencing. And that is real for us now, yeah, not only yeah, just in yeah. our own locality, but right across, you know, we feel downcast. And yeah. it is good to us to, to actually remind ourselves from the word of, you know, God yeah. is with us. There is a bigger story. He is in control of this. And uh, that's great, bro. Thanks, man. Keep going. We'll be praying for your church and, Pray that you'll be encouraged and they'll be encouraged as you share that with them over the coming weeks. Thanks, so man. let's get let let's introduce our guest. We have with us our dear friend JD Gilmore, uh, coming in all the way from Italy. JD, great to see you, bro. Good to see you. Good to hear you. It is great to hear you, JD. I need to say this: that you have one of the best podcasting voices I have ever heard. <laughs> it, it must be my connections with Frank Sinatra because he was of Sicilian origin. That's what it is. I've grown up here. 
I guess it must be inflection. Absolutely. Kind of down to me. Absolutely. And if we get a chance, we'll probably get you to sing a song or, or something like that. Because no, but we, I would do it. I would do it my way. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets better. JD, it's great to have you. And you are the national director for Impatto, which is Acts Twenty Nine in Italy. And but you're also the area lead of southeast europe which is really exciting and we'll hear more about that as we as we chat but for those that who don't know you be great if you could introduce yourself tell us a little bit about your family maybe how you became a christian and you've not always lived in italy have you so it'd be maybe great to just give us a give everyone a picture of your story thanks well the the name jonathan gilmore betrays the fact that i'm not a pure italian um however beyond the name and the surname if you saw me driving and eating, you would know that I am Italian. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was, it's true, I have never, I haven't always lived in Italy, but uh, I was three months old when I got here. So my parents were missionaries. So this was early 60s. Uh, I was born September 62. And uh, January 63, I landed in Italy with that. It wasn't my choice, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's what happened. And so I've grown up here. So uh, I'm specifically speaking to you from Sicily, from Palermo, and uh, I've grown up here in Sicily for almost all my life. Uh, I've had a few times when I've been away, but uh, it's mostly been here. So married with Annette, uh, been married over 30 years. Uh, We have three grown children, um, and she grew up in France. She was born in France. Her parents are also missionaries, so we're kind of second generation. Actually, I'm, I think, fourth generation in ministry because even back my great-grandfather was uh, involved uh, on both sides of my parents wow. so so god god has been really good and uh i i grew up as many as a as an mk a missionary kid a pk a pastor kid and then during my teenage years i had an experience as a child which i think was very real and very deep and then uh, through different stages came into teenage years and i didn't go through a major crisis but I did. Uh, I did have questions about what God wanted for me. And uh, but during my teenagers, I really experienced uh, grace, uh, real. And and what I'd heard became firsthand. It was no longer oh, my parents taught me, or I heard in church. And so since then, I've been uh, I've been involved. I did homeschooling. I went to Italian school, and which gives maybe explains a little bit of my weird accent. It's not totally anything, but that's the way it goes. And. Um, so finished schooling, uh, homeschooling, and then went straight into more or less into Christian ministry. I did a bit of everything from milking cows, selling encyclopedias, uh, but then did quite a lot of radio work, which may explain um, some of the, the experience of it. And then, uh, and then really got into ministry, mostly evangelistic, but also a lot of speaking, teaching, youth work. And here I am a few years later. It's amazing. Great stuff. JD, thank you. Uh, I have to confess, I've never been to Italy. Um, I would, I know, I would love to go to Italy, and I know particularly my wife Zoe would love to go to Italy as well. Tell us a little bit about your Italian context. Tell us a little bit about what church is like, maybe. Tell us about uh, what it's like to share the gospel with those around you. Well, certainly, uh, you think of Italy, uh, and you, I guess, you're typical of of many would like to come to Italy or have been to Italy, but it's mostly for for gelato, for ice cream, or for the real McCoy in terms of pizza. Uh, or if you if you you know you're into maybe sport, you like Juventus or don't like Juventus, and anyhow, Italy is traditionally known for that and a billion other things, Colosseum, Leaning Tower Pisa, and so on and so forth. Um, what people don't realize is that this country, which is Christian, if you look at many statistics, it's really Christian. 85% would tick the box uh, and indicate that they are Christian. 
And yet the, the real uh, presence of the gospel in everyday life is virtually nil. So uh, when we talk about evangelical church, they might be, again, statistics are very ropey, but there might be between 0.5 and 1% of the population would define themselves as evangelical. I'm not saying that that necessarily is you know, the best way of uh, dividing up the, the reality of Italy. But in terms of engaging with the gospel and uh, you know, actually embracing the gospel, uh, you're talking about very, few, very, very few, few people. Um, so, for example, I did a research recently, and we estimate that uh, nationally, uh, in terms of our kind of theological position, where we stand theologically, there may be, and I say very conditional, maybe, around 50 churches nationally who would kind of sit in our theological spectrum wow. okay. uh, for maybe 2,000 2, believers. Um, now, obviously, statistics are always taken with a pinch of salt. But one of the big challenges is, uh, is actually um, explaining or telling the story of the gospel because all the terminology that we use, it's already old hat for most people. You yeah. talk about Jesus. You mm -hmm. talk about believing in Jesus. You talk about church. You talk about God. They already know it. And so one of the great challenges is unpacking uh, the gospel in a, in a relevant, contextual, relevant, uh, contemporary way and being faithful to it. And so as a result of the difficulty of unpacking the gospel, um, evangelical kind of our Bible-believing Christians, we've tended to be viewed as a cult. And therefore, we're very much on the margins of society. And so, uh, again, I could go into a lot of details, but because of that, we're not really credible and, and profiled in terms of the public domain. And therefore, that is a big challenge. So when we present ourselves, it's like, well, who are you? What do you belong to? And uh, mm. so it, it is a big, big challenge in terms of actually going beyond the, the, uh, the, uh, the stereotyped impression of Italy. Oh, it's a Christian tourist, sea, food-loving country. But actually, it's very dark spiritually. Yeah. Mm. yeah. JD, I was... Um... I've been to Italy several times. I was there for my honeymoon. We went to Lake Garda. It was really nice. There was Sean and I, my wife, 21, and everybody else was retired. So it was, it was quite exciting. But it was, <laughs> we had a good time. And I've, I've had the opportunity to, you know, up in Milan and Florence and Rome. But one of the things, just to pick up on what you said, one of the things that really struck me was a sense of weightiness and darkness spiritually. Just even being there as a tourist, I was there for an Acts 29 conference when it was in Rome a few years ago, and just that real, real weightiness of things spiritually. So, I, you know, even as somebody that's just visited, um, it's quite evident, I think. Um, when you're I, around. I think if you're, if you're, I think if you're sensitive to the, if you're looking at uh, at the spiritual side of things, which often people who, who look into a country or come into a country, that's not the first thing they're looking at. And mm. so sometimes it kind of, uh, it, it doesn't phase you. You're worried about the fact you're on holiday or that Italy's a beautiful country and, and mm. you're enjoying it. But if you're, if you're actually, you know, always as you move around and you're looking for examples of, of, of grace and gospel mm. and the simplicity of, of Jesus' message and who he is and him at the center, mm. and then you, you really you see the darkness because if, if anything is absent, it's the, it's the gospel at the center of this country. And so you see that in in the in the historic churches, you see that in uh, in people's lives, you see that in everyday life, and and across the social spectrum, whether it's younger people or older people, you get a whole gamut of uh, 
different perspectives, but the, the essential ingredient, which is common to all, is that the gospel is just not there. Jesus is just not there. Mm. Wow. Um, J.D., you just said that rough guesstimate, 50 churches, 2,000 people. Um, where, where have they come from, those churches? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're the son of a missionary, and so I'm guessing there's a history of church planting and, and missionary work, but w- what would be the the kind of makeup and background of those those fifty or so? So I think I think the first thing to to remember is that uh, the church in Rome is quite ancient because <laughs> it dates back to to Paul. Yeah, just about. So there's a, there's a good amount of church planting going on there, um, although maybe it wasn't exactly uh, our style uh, and not even what <laughs> we'd like. Although it was very much lockdown church planting even there, but that's yeah. And then, and then over the centuries, clearly um, that simplicity of, of of Jesus and the message of hope has been lost, and therefore you've got centuries of darkened history and uh, and the church with a capital C, the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church became the dominant force, and so it's so dominant that uh, the Reformation, for example, never really hit Italy in a in a real substantial way. So as individuals who got hold of it. Usually it was uh, the nobility and the more uh, educated Italians who, in contact with Geneva or England or whatever, they would come into contact with uh, with this new message and then pick it up and, and therefore move forward with it. But even church planting wasn't really, uh, you know, the kind of the presence of churches which, which were faithful to God's word was not something very prevalent. And it's really only after the Second World War, I mean, there have been missionary movements, obviously, the Baptist missionaries came in in the 19th century, and uh, historically, from the UK, there was a lot of uh, a lot of mission endeavor towards Italy. But then it was really after Pentecostalism really exploded in Italy at the beginning of the 20th century, with the connection, historic connection, especially between the south of Italy and, and America, and therefore bringing back to the relatives this newfound faith. Okay. Uh, but then after the Second World War, you got your heyday of church planting in the traditional sense. So mostly missionary endeavors. So every missionary came with the flavor of the day. Depending on his background, on his perspective, he would try and do something. And so you've got a, a whole gamut of uh, as, uh, independent missionary churches all over the place. And so they have uh, produced and planted a number of churches nationally. And then, of course, the more, let's say, historical denominations within Italy, for example, the Baptists, they've become very liberal. Uh, they're not really Bible believing anymore. Uh, they're very social and socialistic and all the rest of it. Uh, but then, then you've got also some what have become fairly indigenous denominations or networks, like the Brethren Assemblies. And then there's the Assemblies of God. And these are a substantial uh, churches within the the national scene. Uh, Assemblies of God have got around 1,200 churches nationally. Uh, the Brethren Assemblies maybe 300, but they've kind of kind of got their own in-house church planting vision, which sometimes is not really defined as church planting, but it's a natural multiplication. Mm. It's people moving to another area, or it's moving sheep from point A to point B, or, or as often happens, church planting has uh, occurred because of church splits. So mm. division has become the secret for multiplication in many contexts. And so it's a very fragmented, difficult situation in which uh, there's been over the years, and uh, having grown up here, I've seen it firsthand, a lot of political strife and a lot of division, not much unity, uh, a lot of backbiting. What you see in Italian politics, we're about to uh, probably lose uh, the, I don't know what it is, 65th government since the Second World War. Uh, and there's a lot of competition, a lot of rivalry, a lot of backbiting. And what you see in the, in the, in the, in the, the secular world, sad to say, 
because of the lack of the gospel being applied to everyday life. It's like, okay, we go to church on Sunday, but then, that, you know, that's the, that's the limit. And so no gospel applied to the way we confront struggles and challenges, and therefore we fight, we split, and then we multiply, and we, build, we plant another church. How has Acts 29, JD, had an impact on church planting in Italy over the years that you've been involved? So we've we've been uh, going since t- uh, 2015. We began more or less formally back then, and uh, we have currently around 15 churches. So again, making the uh, the ratio between 50 churches in Italy, it would be more or less in this theological spectrum. But around 15 uh, are within the Bato network. Um, now these are some established churches, few of them, t- to be honest. Mostly they're new church plants. So we brought in a few of the church plants which had already taken first steps and then we, we brought them into the into the the network or the family depending which word you prefer um, mm. but certainly in the last two years we've seen uh, five or six new church plants begin and again when you take the numbers and you think we're a small network and yet there is this vision for church planting so we become much more uh, prominent and uh, you know we're, we're profiled well even social media We've got a good website. We've got a good presence on Facebook and Instagram. We're kind of churning out a lot of good stuff, uh, whether translated or our own stuff or slogans. And we've done events. And we, we really are known increasingly. I'm not saying everybody knows us. That would be false. But we're increasingly known as the people who are you know, really uh, set on church planting, theologically defined church planting. And that's maybe one of the, mm. uh, the elements which doesn't make us popular in terms of across the spectrum but mm. we we often receive people coming to us because they have a passion to church plant they're not theologically on the same you know on the same page as we are but they know that that's where we're going and we're not just talking about it we're doing it and i think that is the difference sometimes you get these uh, conferences and they tell you how to do it but they're not necessarily doing it. i myself have just come back into a church new church plant situation a few years ago down here in palermo so I'm actually doing it myself with all the, the joys and the, the hardships of that. And that's why I can talk about it and tell others to do it because I'm actually doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Share with us, um, now you've given us a broad overview. Are there any specific encouragements, like uh, maybe even name some people that we can pray for as well as, as, as we, we think and pray? Yeah, I mean, I was just uh, writing up a report this morning, uh, summarizing 2020. I think obviously it's been a quite a unique year. Yeah. And yet, as we look as we look across the spectrum, and you know, we see at least looking at our churches. Um, I mean, it's just been encouraging to see people come to faith, people being baptized. Uh, it's been encouraging to see people who've gone through a lot of hardship. I think, of, uh, in particular, Francesco and Claudia, who are a couple we have up in the north of Italy in Genoa. And Claudia's father got COVID and died. Mm. And uh, in the midst of that, and several people within the church also hospitalized and very close to death. And yet uh, through all that, just to see the triumph of prayer mm. and fellowship and supporting each other, uh, that, that's been something wonderful. And I think, in fact, we often say that you know persecution would do the church some good. Well, this hasn't been persecution in a sense, and yet it's been very much a, a major challenge. And so we've seen uh, we've seen an interesting thing. We've seen uh, on the edge, the fringe, sometimes is pulling away people who maybe were not very committed, but within the, the those who who really have a passion to see you know Jesus's name being made famous in Italy, they seem to be pulling together much more. And so there's been encouragement in terms of prayer meetings, uh, which have again taken on a, a different feel. It's not a, re- a, a recital of prayers. It's actually pouring out your heart before God in, in, in prayer. 
Um, and, and so it, there, there's a lot in it and uh, a lot of encouragement, uh, a lot of individuals. And even here in Palermo, um, as I think of names, I think of uh, this, this man, Umberto, who's, uh, who came into contest, contact with us very casually. And his wife uh, was in coma for 10 months, and she passed away a few weeks after he'd been in contact with us. And we were able to journey with him, with the gospel, at the center of the story he was going through. And so now, this is two months after she's passed away, he's still in contact with us, still tuning in, still connecting with us. And so that's one of you know many, many stories, but names, places. Nash, there's a lot of, lot of encouragement to be had. Brother, one of the um, things that Philip Moore was mentioning when we spoke to him recently was just the example of you guys in your generosity in supporting other groups and other networks. Um, uh, and particularly across the sea in Albania. Do, do you t- tell us a bit about what's going on there? Um, just such an encouragement that even though, in one sense, you're not particularly big and you don't have lots, also you, you have been or you are being generous with what the Lord has given you. To tell us and encourage us um, about the work in Albania. One of the limits of uh, Italy is Italian is spoken only here. There are certain areas of uh, Somalia, <laughs> Abyssinia, but, and maybe Libya where Italian was slightly spoken. But if you know Italian, you can speak Italian in Italy only. And maybe if you're into opera, you can speak it there. Uh, the only other country in the world is essentially Albania, because it's just across the water from Italy. And so until 1990, when uh, Albania opened up, the only media that they heard was Italian media. And so because of that, uh, those whole generation grew up on Italian television and radio and so on. And so there's a natural link there linguistically, but also then economically. I mean, we get a lot of people migrating they used to migrate, especially to Italy. That was the first stop and then maybe go elsewhere. So there was a natural connection. There is a natural connection. And so um, in 2016, uh, Andy Dina came onto the scene. He's an Albanian. Uh, Back then, he just kind of come out of difficult uh, time in in his Christian walk and uh, was interested in Acts 29. And we walked with him for several years. Uh, assessment, uh, theological training, pastoral support, friendship, visiting, very relational. We're Southern Europeans. We're very relational. We don't, it's not just about, you know, I'll send you a letter, <laughs> but it's yeah. about, you know, living together. It's about being together. And so through that uh, that contact, uh, he is now church planting in Albania, in the city of Tirana. Uh, wow. A small church plant just started off uh, around a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, with, with blessing. Uh, growing uh, slowly. In fact, I was talking to a church planter recently in Portugal, and he said, uh, uh, as we know, church planting in in, uh, in Europe is slow. And I think that is, you know, we always hope it's going to go fast, but it, it is true that very often it's slow, slow going, unless you produce the goods that the people want. So in Sicily, it would be, what does the future hold for me? If we could tell them what it holds, then, you know, they'd all come. And in Albania, it's very similar. If you offer them success and prosperity and health and wealth, okay. then... Yeah. You know, people will be there. And Andy doesn't do that. And so this theologically defined church planting initiative has really, uh, you know, I think it's it's a really good start. And I say it's a start because now there's another Albanian uh, just beginning going through the assessment with X-29. There's a third one who's actually been in the pipeline for a while, and he's also church planting. Uh, there's, there's a missionary in northern Albania. Uh, he's a German missionary with his family in northern Albania in a small village, Muslim village. Wow. And so trying to church plant there. Uh, Kosovo is really near Albania. Most uh, people in Kosovo are of Albania origin. And so there's church plants uh, begun. Uh, there are a couple of guys who've connected with X-39. 
So there's, there's quite a lot of, of stuff happening and conversations and movements. And it's a bit like you, you kind of agitate the, uh, you, you get the waters uh, ruffled up and then you throw the paralytic in. That's you know, kind of New Testament example. So there's a lot happening and, uh, and we're trying to do all we can. So financially, prayer, we visit, we've done training. Uh, we, we've got Andy involved in our preaching uh, uh, workshops that we do. Um, so again, we're just trying to twin. That's, I think, with the word that mm -hmm. we've been using, twin with Albania in all ways we can. Uh, JD, I, um, you, my, I'm like buzzing here as you're speaking, like just to hear what God has been doing um, in, in Albania. And you, you won't know this, but actually it was God working in and through people in Kosovo, Albanians in Kosovo, that was one of the triggers to take me into Christian ministry. I was doing some work in Kosovo in 2007 and engaged with a church wow. there. And it was from that point that I started to fall in love with the church, fall in love with mm. my own city and by God's grace. So, mm. I, you know, I'm encouraged. I hope that encourages you. Maybe share that story. But it's just honestly amazing to hear what God mm. is doing. And I'm right in saying on that the, Albania is predominantly Muslim country as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously it came from the atheistic background of communism, but traditionally it was, uh, historically, it was very, very Muslim. And and the interesting thing is that the, the more uh, extremist Muslim uh, quarters and, uh, and groups are trying to invest massively in Albania with the uh, building of mosques and, in, and investing in terms of funds and so on. So this, after 1990, there's been a, a resurgence of, of Islam. Uh, as much as there, well, more than there's been of uh, evangelicalism. Okay, wow. Um, JD, I'm slightly in awe of uh, some of those stories, and clearly what what you guys are doing in South Southeast Europe. How do you how do you keep going? Um, how do you structure your week? How does this work out on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday? Um, we, we've done lots of big picture stuff, but. I, Tell us your secret. <laughs> Tell us what a normal week looks like for give, you. Give us um, that silver bullet. Give us that silver yeah, bullet. Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> you, you wish. I wish. <laughs> um, it, it's probably it's probably the food. I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it's it's really it's really difficult to say what a structured week looks like because no week is structured. So I've got, um, I mean, I'm just mentioning about my involvement with X29, but I've got all other commitments as well, nationally and internationally. And uh, so a, a, a week is usually, so my, my main focus, my day job is church planning in Palermo. And I think, uh, it, it, I, I know the way I'm wired. I would, I could very easily disconnect from the, the reality of the fact that I'm involved by myself in a church plant in Palermo. Uh, and therefore devote myself to everything else. And so I, I keep it, into because I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that God has brought me here at this time to do a job, and that's what I'm prayerfully trying to do. And so my, my prime concern is where can I go today in terms of taking people towards the gospel in Palermo? So that's there are a number of challenges in that. I mean, I, I could go into that, but there are a number of challenges. It's not easy. And and so everything during my day is all, always colored by okay I've I've just done that I've just done this for Albania you know actually but what about Palermo I've always I'm always kind of trying to root myself locally and yet at the same time I'm not just local and so there is that uh, that sense of uh, juggling with multiple opportunities and it's always been a challenge for me over the years um, the the excess of opportunities and uh, open doors you know one thing is uh, you know now what. 
but and then you you kind of try and decide between a, a good thing and you know a better thing. But what if everything's better? <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 it, yeah. it's it's really complicated. So it's 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 a humbling experience of walking with God and uh, realizing our fragility, and just asking God for you know for wisdom in knowing how to not meet the the tyranny of the urgent because that's mm. constantly there's constantly piles of stuff. But where is he taking me and where is he leading me? And I can't say that there's a, a kind of magic formula for that because I think I've messed it up many, many times. And yet in the big picture, as I stand back, I mean, it was a frightening thought the other day. Next year, I'm going to be 60 years old. No that way. For me, is, is, I feel 20. You know, my you, energy you levels 20. are like 20 year old. I'm going to be 60 next year. And yeah, next year, this is 21. And so uh, as I take, as I step back and look, you know, I've been, I've been at this for 40 years. Yeah. Since I finished school. And, uh, you know, people have said, uh, you know, you can't carry on like this. It's going to be burnout and all the rest of it. And I don't know what it is because I'm not particularly, I'm not fit. I'm not a, you know, I'm not into, you know, sport and exercise. And, uh, you know, I try to keep careful what, what I eat. But I, I've come to the conclusion that it's really, it's not because of who I am. It's because of who God is. And, yeah. I, and that might sound very spiritual, but frankly, that is the reality of it. So it's mm -hmm. day by day. Asking the question, the same questions day by day, rather than saying, "Okay, here's my schedule: seven days, two hours here, two hours there." It's more saying, "Okay, God, uh, today this is a new day. Where do you want me to invest my time and energy?" And uh, and then be be like, I love jazz. I love being flexible. I love mm. kind of uh, you got a general layout, but then you go with the flow. I I just love that idea. So great. Oh man, that's great. Um, can you talk just briefly as well about um? I guess personal devotions, and I mean, are there books that you're reading? Are there things that are keeping you kind of going spiritually? Um, how do you become? How do you guard against being someone who who speaks the gospel to others but not to themselves? And, and to be honest, that's always a challenge. I mean, it's always been a challenge because, um, again, there's so much to do, and uh, therefore you kind of feel, okay, let's just get on and do it, and that's kind of uh, person I am that's the kind of fallen creature I am and therefore that's the tendency um, so so in terms of I've been exploring over the past decade I'd say um, just pulling and I remember we had a I did the assessment back in the day with uh, with Steve he was he was present in that and uh, yeah. anyhow just uh, just thinking of more than a kind of a devotional moment or time or phase of the day but looking at it as a characteristic of your life so even even prayer, although there's a danger in this, I know, but it's not just about stopping and praying for 10 minutes at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, but it's walking in prayer. So, I, and I can't say that I've mastered that. I can't say that it's, again, it's a silver bullet method and I wouldn't want anybody else to quote me and say, oh, that's, that's it, that's what I'm gonna do. Because it, it can be, you know, license to kill and not do anything. But at the same time, I think, um, I think, just this uh, this practice of of walking. So, just to be perfectly blunt, the best devotional time for me is in the shower. It's a moment when I'm totally focused, and I I, I feel I, I don't know. It's the time I get in the shower, I get a thousand ideas, but above all, I get this sense of wow, it's it's great to be with you, Jesus, and to walk with you, and to it might sound you know a little bit kind of uh, strange, but for me as a seasoned veteran, missionary, preacher, teacher, and all that stuff. That is so refreshing, literally. It's not just the shower that's refreshing. But it's that kind of intimacy with 
the one who is at the center of my life. And so, and so again, I don't want that to be an excuse, but in terms of uh, input, I mean, scripture reading, it's, it's the center. It has to be the center. And I, this year I've started doing something which I've never done, following one of these one-year plans to read through the whole Bible. And it's really good. And so I'm in, you know, four sections of the Bible simultaneously. I'm loving it, apart from Chronicles and the first few chapters, which are listed list of names. But, but, you know, it's really, it's really encouraging. It's refreshing. And I find that it's, it's stimulating. Not that I haven't read the Bible before. I'm not saying that. But just to go through with the system. And then, you know, I, I, love, uh, I love a lot of the, the articles, the blogs that really kind of uh, resonate with me. And then, and then I've got classics like, I mean, I've been looking at Spurgeon's lectures to students, you know, looking at that. Going through it, it's like a, it's a mine, you know, it's a, it's a gold mine. I was going to say Absolutely. minefield. Uh, and then I, I'd be going through something like Sojourners and Strangers by Greg Allison, which is a, a doctrine of the church. Really good, really encouraging and challenging. And uh, and and then again, we're, we're saturated, we're bombarded by endless, you know, amount of content. So it's it's really about Jesus with the word, and then a lot of resources around it. JD, that's great. That's it. It's really encouraging, bro. You've been in ministry for 40 years and and you're being honest about the wrestle of what that looks like for you and devotions and walking with Jesus. And actually, even after 40 years, there's that sense of, you know what, I'm, I, I want to walk in prayer. I'm, I'm in the shower and I'm praying to the Lord, thanking for his love for me and his care for me. And I, I find that really encouraging because we can become so formulaic, can't we? It, it, even in our devotions and just that encouragement you know, it, you know, it talks about doesn't in the Bible as you go, as you go, as you as you live, go and make disciples. Uh, as you go, and then we, obviously we read that that sense of of you know having the word on our hearts on our uh, on our doorposts, and it's just as we do ordinary life, just walk with the Lord and enjoy Him and encourage us. So thanks for that, bro. That's that that that's been that that's really encouraged me personally. So I want to thank you for that. I've got a quick question that we didn't we didn't ask you to answer, but I it's 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 jumped up i i know just from my time being part of acts 29 um there's a lot of um right and good uh desire and attraction to be involved in ministry in italy whether that's through supporting church planting or actually moving in and you know i've i've even got friends that have moved to italy and have been part of some of the church plants that you guys are the uh, are doing there what would your advice be to people who are praying thinking trying to work through in terms of maybe relocating or feel that the lord is calling them to to get in touch and relocate to to italy what would your advice be to those folks they call italy the graveyard of mission or graveyard of missionaries. So that's the first thing I'd say to them. That's, it's, enough, it's, I think that that's enough to put people off. <laughs> that's exactly it. Now, so over the years, over the years, we have seen uh, we have seen a very high turnover rate. So Operation World stated at one point, which I think was an exaggeration, but at, at least it's indicative that ninety percent of missionaries lasted less than four years. Um, now again, it might be a little bit exaggerated, but I, I could I could reel off names of individuals who've been here and then within a, a season or or two seasons have left, bewildered and downcast. And I say that because uh, there's a kind of romanticized idea. Oh, let's move to Italy. You know, the weather, the food, mm. you know, the tourism. So so the the strength of um, of of the, the the knowledge of God's calling, and again, it becomes. Becomes quite mystical. Uh, I think this whole thing. I feel it. I know it. God has spoken to me. You know, it is a little bit difficult to kind of be scientific about. Uh, 
But at the same time, there has to be such a strong conviction that you're willing to lay down your life. And you're, you're going to lay it down for, for a people that, you know, ultimately you love because their souls were going, you know, to a lost eternity without Christ. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you, you, you like everything that they do. And so when you, when you get to Italy and you find that it's noisy and that people, you know, they can't speak quietly and they have to, you know, always uh, swing their arms as they're talking. And, uh, yeah, and there are things that, you know, you come and they, they can't queue up. There's no lines. We're driving is manic. And, you know, there are things that irritate you. But then that irritation is actually, uh, it's resolved by the fact that you have a conviction because you know that God's called you and therefore you love the people. So anybody who's got a sense of, uh, oh, maybe, that's usually where people are at. That's where they start. You have to feed that thought. So I would say the, the, the first thing is to connect with us on the ground and then plan a visit of some kind. And, and not just a kind of a, an aimless visit, but something which is a little bit structured. So visiting different contexts, different situations, because the need is enormous. The need is, uh, it's from, it's, it's a hundredfold. I mean, you, there's no end to the need and the opportunities as well. So you can move here, you can move here for a season, you do short-term work, you can study here, you can, uh, you can do anything here. That's, and, and we're you know, really keen to engage with people who, who want that. But at the same time, while you're working through, um, you know, feed it and be realistic. In other words, don't expect, uh, you know, who knows what. And are oh, we going to come to Italy and change the culture, as many missionaries have said? And they've left within a few years, usually. That's great, bro. We said at the beginning of the podcast um, that we wanted to pray for you. And, you know, from chatting for the last half an hour, just the amount of stuff that you're involved in and trying to juggle that and move forward with the enthusiasm. You know, as you were saying, Italians move their hands around. You've moved your hands around a lot when you've been chatting, which is uh, an expression of your enthusiasm, I guess, which is great. But we want to we want to pray for you. Dan wants to, is going to pray for you now. So is there anything specific that you'd love us to pray for? And we'll throw these in the, in the, in the uh, show notes as well so people can continue to pray for you uh, as they think of Italy and as they think of you. Okay, thanks. Appreciate that. So, yeah, uh, certainly, I think the uh, just thinking in in a certain logical fashion, the, the the need of the family is is obviously quite substantial. So, Annette has had ME for twenty six years now, almost twenty six years. Um, so, it's a severely debilitating condition uh, which keeps uh, often at, at, the, at bad times in bed for seventy percent of the time. So that means that her daily functions and her daily ability to function as a, as a human being are very, very limited. And in a church planning situation, that's devastating because it really affects, you know, hospitality, engaging with uh, contacts, uh, just normal life. You just can't do it. Mm. So and, and, you know, we've prayed for healing and God has provided it. So we're praying for grace on a daily basis. Uh, if he wants to heal, that's fine. We still believe that, that can happen. But at the same time, the greater miracle is probably just allowing strength on a daily basis. But just, just trying to pray for me as I try to support and be balanced and be present and, you know, not just physically, but <laughs> be present mentally as well. Because sometimes I'm there, but I'm not, uh, I'm not actually there mentally. Um, and, then, and then as a church, uh, we're called Life Hope in Palermo Church Plant. We've got about 15 to 20 people. We're meeting online. We've lost our venue where we, where we were meeting. But right now we're on lockdown again, so we, we wouldn't be able to meet anyhow. But we're trying to engage with people. We're trying to meet people, which is complicated right now. So if you could pray for this small group that we can uh, grow in strength 
and then in depth and also that we can grow in numbers as well and see conversions over the coming months. And then the final thing would be, let's say, the greater context in which I'm involved. So especially in Italy, that the churches can be encouraged and strong, uh, but at the same time that uh, they can uh, they can grow in uh, in numbers and also in depth. And also Albania and, and the rest of Southeast Europe, if you could pray for, for that context. Let's do that, J.D. Thank you. It would be a privilege to pray for you. Thanks. Father in heaven, thank you so much for um, for J.D. Thank you for the chance we've had to chat to him. Thank you for what we've learned from him. Thank you for sustaining him. Thank you for almost 40 years of ministry. Thank you for his honesty. Mm. Father in heaven, we lift um, his family to you. We lift he and Annette to you, particularly um, with her M.E. Mm. Might she know your comfort particularly? Um, might she know you drawing near to her, sustaining her? Uh, we pray for um, the daily grace that she needs, and we pray the same for, for him, for JD to help him to know how to be present, how to love, how to serve, how to care for her well. Well, we pray for the church as well, the church plant. We thank you so much um, for that plant. Um, we pray for them in the midst of lockdown. We pray that you would um, encourage them. Pray that there'd be opportunity um, for them to, to gather, even if just virtually, but also to, to reach out with the hope that they have to those around them. And might that church grow in strength? And we pray for other churches um, around the area as well. We pray that there would be a growth in maturity and a growth in number. Mm. Um, please equip and enable the pastors and leaders to um, open your word. And would your word do its work in the lives of your people? Now, thank you too for these um, links with um, other areas. We think particularly of the link with um, Albania. Um, we think of the plants going on there and indeed the impact that those plants are having elsewhere. Lord, thank you that you are the Lord of the harvest. Thank you that you are the chief shepherd, Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you would work powerfully um, in and through JD. Um, thank you for him. Bless him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 JD, thank you for being with us thank on you. the podcast. It's been great to chat with you. Can I just say this, bro? You are a big encouragement to many, many Amen. people and greatly appreciated. So keep going. And uh, we'll be praying for you. I'm sure all the people are listening. And for those who are listening, join us next time as we talk about church planting in Europe. Good. Thanks so much. JD, that was great. Thanks, bro. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Acts 29 Europe podcast, conversations on church planting in Europe. Do check out the show notes for links to some of the things we've been speaking about. And we'd love it if you would subscribe and share this with your friends. Join us again in two weeks' time.